We've waited long enough, but it's finally time to have the talk. Let's have the discussion about the possibility of Shohei Otani to the Arizona Diamondbacks. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all of my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, Please follow me on Twitter at CareerToms24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners. I've been hosting this podcast since 2020. And I'm so excited to see how the community and the fan base has grown every single season. So I appreciate you guys. Please continue to follow us on all streaming platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. Now for today's show, we'll be talking about two NL Central teams I think could be the perfect trade partner for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The possibility that the D-backs can be division favorites after this offseason. But before we get to any of that, there's a topic that I've been kind of avoiding for most of this offseason. I've been kind of saving this one. I don't know why, but I felt like today was finally the right time to discuss it. I feel like I've been seeing articles about the possibility finally starting to come out this week. And I'm talking about Shohei Otani to the Arizona Diamondbacks. It would be the biggest splash, maybe not just in D-backs franchise history, maybe in Arizona sports history. The only thing that I think could rival it, maybe like Barkley to the Suns, KD to the Suns, Chris Paul to the Suns, uh, Cardinals getting number one pick and drafting Kyler Murray, Cardinals to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know, like if we're just talking about like player movement stuff, like all that stuff, all, all the Suns related stuff, Kyler Murray to to the Cardinals, like I, I don't know another player movement that would be bigger for Arizona sports than Shohei Otani coming to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't think Zach Greinke or Yasmani Tomas signing with the D-backs is on the same level. So Otani to the D-backs would probably be would probably be the biggest thing that has ever happened to Arizona sports. The signing, the investment, it would not just change the D-backs, but sports in Arizona as a whole. And that's why it would be such a smart move for the D-backs to go out there and do everything in their power to go out there and sign Otani. In a state when you have a KD, a Booker, a Kyla Murray, a Diana Taurasi, a Clayton Keller, there would be no player that would be a bigger draw to their sport than Shohei Otani to Major League Baseball. Yes, KD, Booker, and Beal is a huge attraction, but that's still not as big of an attraction as Shohei Otani pitching and hitting 
for the Arizona Dimebacks. Maybe if KD or Booker was also the coach of the Suns, like that would only that, that's probably the only thing that would be equivalent. But Otani doing it all for his sport and doing it for the local team, the D-backs, I think that would make him the biggest spectacle in Arizona. And he's someone, Otani, he's not someone that would just change the D-backs fortunes on the field. Because we know what kind of player Otani is. It's just not the stuff that he does on the field, the impact with his bat, the impact with his arm. It's not just that. It's also the impact he has off the field. He would ignite a whole new passion for this D-backs team off the field. Think about all the new generations of D-backs fans growing up in Arizona that would immediately gravitate to the D-backs as maybe their favorite team in Arizona. Think about how many team, how many fans growing up would choose baseball as their favorite sport because of a guy like Otani. You don't understand the kind of impact it would have on a younger generation when you're like five, six, seven, eight years of age watching games with your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa, whoever it is, sitting down with that parental figure, that maternal figure, and watching Otani do it all for the D-backs and growing those memories for a good D-backs team, having the best player on your sport to root for night after night would be so impactful on this younger generation and making new fans and not just new fans from the younger generation. How about the national audience? Think about how many people would actually care about the D-backs with an Otani on the field. How about the international audience? Think about how many people from outside the country now cares about the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm thinking about the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Think about how many new viewers and audience listeners I would get. If we sign Shohei Otani. So I need the D-backs to do it. Not just for themselves. But to also help a brother out. Please. Of course. He is arguably the greatest baseball player we've ever seen. And signing him would also be a major addition to the lineup. Of course. Think about the top of the lineup. If you had Carroll leading off. Quetzal Marte number two. Maybe you still go Gabriel Moreno number three. But then Otani is your four. Christian Walker as your five. Maybe bring back Lords Guriel for your for like your number six. Maybe you sign that third baseman that we've been hoping for. Maybe it's like Justin Turner or someone as your number seven with like an Alec Thomas as your eight, Perdomo or Lawler as your nine. Like that is a super deep competitive lineup. And if Domo can give you 90% of what he just gave you this past season, or if Lawler turns out to be someone that's really impactful in the second half next year, like that lineup is all of a sudden from one through nine can be super devastating. And then the rotation, of course, Otani won't be healthy for next season, at least from a pitching perspective. I think he could at least swing the bat and do what Bryce Harper did this past year because he also underwent Tommy John, but then was still putting up all-star to MVP levels. MVP type numbers for the rest of the season and of course Harper in the postseason was dominant with a bat and Otani even if he's not pitching next season the bat would be useful but then when he is healthy for the rotation Gallon, Otani, Kellen, Thot and Thot would be a super nasty one through four one of the best one through fours in all of Major League Baseball they would at least have a case and then of course like we said off the field all the seats Chase Field Potentially, night after night would be filled up, sold out games. The 50-50 would go crazy at Chase Field. I would potentially make so much money. Chase Field packed, merch flying off the shelves. 
TV ratings would be up and Otani just overall would just be good for business for both the D-backs on and off the field. And I think they understand that. And if they don't understand that, they have to understand that. Otani, yes, he's going to command an ungodly amount of money this offseason. And as he should, to be honest, because of all the on and off the field stuff we just mentioned. But he's going to be worth the money. He's going to basically be like a stock option that pays you back in residuals with the stuff that he does off the field in terms of all the merchandising and ticket sales, like I just said. And I think there's actually a decent path to the D-back signing Otani this offseason because like we talked with Yamamoto on yesterday's podcast, the D-backs have a good pitch to these free agents. You're still on the West Coast, still in a big media market, not too far from LA or Vegas. The D-backs have a ton of money to spend and Otani, to be honest, you can have all the monies in the world and you can play for the second best team in Major League Baseball this past season who admittedly had holes that you can help fix and patch up, right? This Texas Rangers team, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on that roster. This D-backs team hadn't yet done that, and they were still a World Series team. So imagine how good this team can be if we add you, Mr. Shohei Otani. So let's get Otani in the building. Of course, every big market team is going to be in on him. The Dodgers are going to make a play. The Padres are going to make a play. The Giants are going to make a play. We'll probably see the Yankees, who've been in disarray for the past few seasons, make a play. The Mets are going to make a play. They've been a cursed franchise. Why would you want to go there? To be honest, the team that scares me the most in the Otani sweepstakes is the team that just beat us in the World Series, the Texas Rangers, because you got a guy like Max Scherzer out there pining, for a Shohei Otani, recruiting an Otani, a legend in the game. And they, of course, can say what team uh, you know is more established with a winning culture than the team that just won the World Series. But at least the D-backs still have a strong pitch being the runner-up in the World Series, something the Angels have not been able to do with the two best players in the sport. So if you want to be, if you're the D-backs, you want to be a Tier 1 team in Major League Baseball, a team that's in the mix year after year, a team that is on free agents' radar, a team that is on the radar of the national audience that they actually care about, then you need an all-time legend like Shohei Otani to sign with the D-backs this offseason. Now we'll talk about how if the D-backs have themselves a fantastic offseason that they can be the odds-on favorites to win the NL West next season. And if you think that's true, then you need to go place a little futures bet on FanDuel Sportsbook because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And best believe, whenever the Lakers are playing, I like to do a little same-game parlay. The Lakers play Tuesday night. They play the Jazz. 
in-season tournament game. I'm going to take LeBron over on points because that boy, the GOAT, been on fire. I'm going to take D'Lo over on threes. That boy's been on fire too. The prodigal son has returned. Then give me the Lakers money line because I got to always take my boys to win. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season and go place that little same game parlay I just put you on game two. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. If you like the show, please go follow me at CareerThomas24 for my personal account on Twitter or look up Lockdown Diamondbacks about Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But now let's get back into the podcast. And I want to have a little discussion about can the D-backs be odds on favorites and be in the driver's seat for the NL West division in 2024 depending on how this offseason goes. Because I think depending on this offseason, the D-backs can be viewed potentially clearly as the best team in the NOS before this season starts in 2024 because the D-backs are already coming off a 2023 postseason where it definitely feels like the D-backs arrow, 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 arrow is pointing upward, right? You got the young team. You got the payroll. Marte bounced back. Most exhilarating rookie in Major League Baseball. You got in a pretty good rotation. Frontline duo. Brandon Fott showed some things in the postseason. Like, there's a lot to be happy and excited for when thinking about the D-backs future in both the short-term and long-term. And then when you think about the rest of the division, Maybe their arrow, man, I can't even pronounce that word. Maybe their arrows aren't pointing downward, but I wouldn't say their trajectory is necessarily pointing upward either. And if the D-backs have themselves a killer offseason mixed in with a little bit of unfortunate luck with the other teams, like none of the NL West teams signing Shohei Otani, of course, then I think the D-backs could definitely be viewed as the odds-on favorites for the division entering 2024 because let's just go through some of these teams in the division and make the case as to why they potentially could not be set up in 2024 depending on how this offseason goes of course because the Dodgers currently I mean they still have Moogie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, and Will Smith on their books for next season like that quattro in the middle of your lineup like those four guys are still enough to produce elite offensive numbers like let me not quibble about anything pertaining to that like Betts and Freeman are still two MVP level players Muncie is still a pretty solid rock star level player then Will Smith is maybe the most dangerous catcher in Major League Baseball from an offensive standpoint so those four guys in the middle of your lineup you're still going to produce probably a top five offense in the National League with those four guys but outside of them you look at the depth of the lineup Going to be incredibly weaker next year. J.D. Martinez and Jason Hayward probably going to leave that lineup. Really made you know, impressive and important plays for that Dodgers team this past season. Produced at a pretty high level. Chris Taylor seems to be a little bit in the decline for that Dodgers lineup as well. Then we look at the rotation for the Dodgers. Very questionable. 
Kershaw, of course, getting older, still looks like a stud. Don't get me wrong. We're talking about signs of decline for Kershaw. You can see the decline when you're watching him. But when you look at the numbers, you're like, yeah, he's still pitching to a 2.2 ERA. Still going six, seven innings every game. Like, you don't see it in the stats. You see it in the eye test. But who cares about the eye test when the stats are still elite? Walker Bueller, health, question mark. Tyler or Tony Gonsolin, health, question mark. And, of course, Julio Urias, off the field concerns. Like, the rotation for the Dodgers, very susceptible, a little bit vulnerable. Now, the Dodgers should still be in a really good position for next year. But... This is not the invincible Dodgers from a few years ago when you're like, man, they got Betts, Freeman, Cody Bellinger, Trey Turner, Corey Seager. Their rotation felt like they had five all-stars with two Cy Youngs coming off the bench where they just felt loaded at every position. This Dodgers team, like we saw in this past postseason, not as scary, not like the bullies we used to see in the years past. The Padres... They already have a lot of money on the books already locked up. And we've seen the Padres deal with some liquid money issues already this offseason. And maybe they're going to have trouble. Uh, maybe they're going to have trouble team building with those money and cap flexibility issues. And then also losing your owner. Like, I just don't know how that affects the whole mentality of the team, how it affects the team, you know, trickling on down. So that's a big development that I'm going to be watching with the Padres this offseason and we're going to be talking with Javier Reyes at some point this week we're going to be doing a little crossover but Padres a lot of money already locked up to future guys Juan Soto they like they might not even have enough money for Juan Soto he could potentially be moved this offseason and they gave up a lot to acquire him Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, two guys who did not look that good in the first year of new mega long-term lucrative contracts. Jake Cronenworth regressed as well. Blake Snell, Josh Hader, two guys could potentially leave in free agency. Yu Darvish also in the decline, signed for a lot of money going forward. Like this Padres team, if next season goes like how it was this past year and they're on the outside looking in from the postseason, then who knows? Maybe Padres is in blow-up mode kind of quickly, um, trying to get off some of these bigger long-term contracts. Like Maybe a team would go in and acquire a Manny Machado. I think teams wouldn't mind acquiring some of those long-term deals off the Padres' books, considering it's still early in those deals. I think it's easier to rationalize acquiring those long-term contracts when it's still early in those players' deals, like the Yankees when they acquired Giancarlo Stan after he signed like that 13-year deal with the Marlins. He was coming off the MVP season, so it was easy for the Yankees to rationalize that. I think it would be other I think it would be easy for other teams to rationalize acquiring a man Machado despite him being on that long-term deal so we'll see what the Padres do with their team moving forward if they continue to struggle and not produce the results that they want to see then the San Francisco Giants they're an old crusty musty rusty dusty team like Drake would say you look at their lineup a lot of dudes are going to be free agents a lot of dudes are free agents or going to be free agents within the next year. The rotation, very weak after Logan Webb. Alex Cobb already expected to miss the start of next year already. The Giants could walk away from this offseason with either less talent that they had at the end of last year, or they could potentially be retooled 
after this offseason in a major way. Maybe make a splash, you know, major splash signing like Cody Bellinger or something. But if we're going to be honest, the Giants seem to be the runner-up in a lot of major splash signings. Or if they do get the signing, they look at the medical and they're like, you know what, that knee on Carlos Correa does not seem too good. Let's revoke our deal. I just don't buy the Giants as a big fish waiting in the deep water, just waiting for their prey. I'm out on the Giants as a contender for next season. I just don't see it with the team that they currently have. I don't think they can add enough talent to their team in one offseason to be a World Series contender next year. So I'm out on the Giants. And then, of course, the Rockies are the Rockies. So if the D-backs go out there and sign like a Jordan Montgomery or like a Eduardo Rodriguez, and then also pair that with a third baseman we like, like a Justin Turner or a Matt Chapman, sign a couple of relievers, you bring back a Lords Gurriel. Like if the D-backs do all that and you mix in a little bit unfortunate luck with the NOS, no one else signs Shohei Otani. He signs with like the Texas Rangers or something like that. Then why can't the D-backs team take the division by storm next year? That's what the 2015 Royals did a year after they lost the World Series in 2014. I think the D-backs have the opportunity to do the same. Now we'll talk about some perfect trade partners for the D-backs in segment number three. But first... Welcome back into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. And don't forget, let me tell you guys a little something real quick. Because in case you didn't know, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now let's get into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, and let's wrap up the pod by talking about two teams who I think could be a perfect trade partner for the Arizona Diamondbacks this offseason, and both teams are in the NL Central. I'm talking about the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. And both of them have the kind of like the same motivations and the same reasoning as to why I think they could be really good trade partners for the D-backs. Cards, they're coming off a really disappointing season, right? Everyone thought the Cardinals were easily going to take the NL Central. To be honest, when you looked at all the divisions... The, the most locked-in team you could have said to win their division was probably the Cardinals in the NL Central entering the season. We did think the Brewers had a chance to take it, but the Cardinals felt like the best team with the talent that they had on paper, and they had a, they just had a season from hell, basically. Complete disaster of a year. They didn't reach any expectations levels. Um, a lot of their young guys didn't play that well. Nolan Arenado... Didn't have himself a good season as well. The rotation looked old. Like, 
Just a disappointing season for the Cardinals. I think they have two elite players with a Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I think they have an old-ass rotation. I think they have a bunch of young guys in their lineup who I just don't buy long-term as real major league core pieces to build a team around. Maybe they're good pieces to have on a roster, you know, to be the supplemental pieces to your core. But I don't know if any of those guys are like true core pieces where they're going to be the inner circle that those ring of honor type players, when you go look at the banners from the Cardinals of yesteryears, those aren't going to be, those aren't the players who are going to get invited back for the Cardinals Hall of Fame, right? I don't think the young players that the Cardinals currently have are those inner sanctum potential future Hall of Famers for your franchise. I just don't see that with the, I mean, Name some names here. The Paul D. Jongs of the world. The, the who else? Tommy Edmonds of the world. Who, is he even on that team anymore? Didn't they trade? Uh, no, they still got Tommy Edmonds. It was the other dude. Was it Paul DeJong who they traded? Is Who's on the Blue Jays? I know one of those guys is on the Blue Jays. Was it Paul DeJong? Yeah, Paul DeJong is on the Blue Jays. I'm glad that they moved off him. He wasn't good at all, I think, for the Cardinals. Um, he was a young guy that I did not trust long-term, same with Dylan Carlson, same with Brandon Donovan, same with Tommy Edmond. Like, I just don't trust long-term, like, any of their youngsters that they've been trying to build around and make a thing. So that's why I think the Cardinals are a good team to potentially trade some pieces away this offseason. The Brewers, also a good team, but no one takes them seriously once they get to the postseason. And they just lost their manager to the Chicago Cubs, who was a pretty good manager as well, Craig Council. So when I look at the Brewers and Cardinals, I think both of those teams are kind of in similar positions. I don't think either team wants to tear down and do a full rebuild. But I think both teams would listen to offers for their bet for their best players if a deal makes sense. And I also don't think they would mind selling off pieces and getting more ready now assets that could potentially help speed up this rebuilding process or just retool this team to build a contender more in the short term instead of kicking it down the road for the long term. So I think both of these teams would be open to making deals. And let's talk about some players that these teams have that I wouldn't mind targeting for the Arizona Dimebacks. Of course, on the St. Louis Cardinals, there is one big fish on that team that I would love to bring back to Arizona, Paul Goldschmidt. I don't think he's the guy that would make the most sense for the D-backs right now. First baseman, unless you tell me Paul Goldschmidt is just everyday DH, then sure, I wouldn't mind that because Christian Walker is a better defensive first baseman. Or unless you think Paul Goldschmidt could play third base, sure. But honestly, Nolan Arenado coming off the season he did could be potentially a perfect buy-low candidate. Maybe you don't have to break the bank for Nolan Arenado, but I still view him as an elite third baseman, still elite defensive glove, still power back galore, not going to strike out a ton, still going to give you elite at-bats every time he's at the plate and make good decisions on when to swing at ball. So Nolan Arenado, I think, would be a perfect buy low with major upside trade candidate for the D-backs to go after. I think considering the year that Nolan Arenado and the Cardinals had, it, it already felt like there was rumors and rumblings at maybe the trade deadline that Arenado could be moved. He is owed a lot of money going forward, 35 next year, 32 the year after that, then 27-15. But 
I would still add Nolan Arenado for the next few seasons. And then the rotation for the St. Louis Cardinals, probably no one in there that I would really be that interested in. But the bullpen, a little Ryan Hesley, I think that's how you say his name. A little Ryan Hesley action. I think I would be pretty in on him coming off two really good back-to-back seasons with the Cardinals as a closer for that team. Elite 13 strikeouts per nine innings the last two years. I think he would be an elite strikeout option for the D-backs to go after. And then when I look at the Milwaukee Brewers, they also have a couple of interesting names. I think like Willie Adamas, interesting. I don't know if he's the guy I would target. Power bat does strike out a ton. Shortstop, so you have to do like Domo at third base. Maybe Willie Adamas could play third base. Christian Yelich, I also wouldn't mind targeting. He looked very Yelichy this season. It looked like he bounced back a little bit, but still owed a lot of money over the next few seasons. I don't think the lineup is really where I'm going. I wouldn't mind a Willie Adamas or Christian Yelich being added, but the players I'm actually targeting from the Brewers is in that rotation. Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta, of course. I've talked about Burns already, but Freddie Peralta... 27 years of age, strikeout artist as well, good command. He's someone that I would love for the D-backs to go out and target with a Corbin Burns. Maybe add both of them in the deal if you can. Uh, if you can, if you could snag both of them from the Brew Crew, then why not? But would love at least one Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta, both frontline rotation starters. Peralta is more of a elite number three. Really good, really high-end number two that could fit perfectly. Like, Peralta would probably be the number three on this D-backs team. Corbin Burns, true number one, could potentially even be ahead of Zach Gallon in the rotation or could be number two in the rotation. Either way, you had one of those two guys in the rotation with what the D-backs already have. Could be nasty. And also, a little Devin Williams could be maybe too expensive, but also some other good relievers that the Brewers have in their pen. They're kind of loaded on bullpen arms. So I think the pitching staff is where I'm looking when it comes to the Brew Crew. But both of those NL Central teams have players that I would love for the D-backs to go out, to go out there and target and potentially acquire this offseason. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.